Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael speaks on loving what the Father loves on the fifth week of his Spirit, Soul, and Body series. Thank you. Good to see you. 11 o'clock. The Motley Crew. The Wild Bunch. I, uh, huh? I'm trying. Uh, that's not good. This is about the seventh time I filled it up. And now, uh, bottoms up. Must have been eating at some point. Oh, yeah. You know. Very nice. It's good stuff. It was in there anyways. Um, good, to see, good to see everybody. Uh I want to tell the funniest joke that I've ever told. This is a, what? Ooh, yes. See how good she does? She was even here first service, and she acts like she never heard this for a lot. Whoa, hey. <laughs> She's like, I might get it this time. <laughs> That's my blonde joke for the day. Oh, I love Emily. We're so in sync. Emily and I are like, it's scary. I don't know. I don't know. She's an old soul because we'll just, if I start singing like an old hymn or some old worship chorus, Emily just right online with me. We just get it going. And I don't know how she knows all those, but she's an old soul. We have a good time. She finishes my sentence sometimes when I'm trying to be funny. I don't know. We're just good. It's good. So thanks for that excitement about the joke you just heard an hour ago. That's, I really appreciate it. So it's kind of a story with a punchline. This morning, as I was getting ready, my um, I think the girls had to be here early today, so... Um, and Jehu spent the night with my mother, so the girls brought Matthias with them this morning. Anyways, my house was very quiet this morning and um, sent my notes in a little earlier than normal. I just had a lot of time. I was, it was kind of weird. And, but I was getting ready and taking my time, making sure I had a stuff together. Jahan and I are leaving tomorrow morning at 4-ish to go to the airport and we are going to Columbia. We'll be there this coming week and weekend doing crusades there in Columbia. And um, Valle du Va- uh, Dupar. We're going to Valle Dupar. I told you before I left, I'd have to be able to say it uh, with a little help from the person who's going to sing in Spanish this week. Valle Dupar. Anyways. It's going to be great, and uh, so we leave tomorrow, so I was just like, okay, yeah, I can pack a few things more, 
Anyways, Britton, who I call Andrew, I have to tell both names so y'all know who I'm talking about. Andrew hollers into me. Holler means to uh, speak loudly, to uh, scream. That, that's holler, if anybody doesn't know. And it's also a place like over by a mountain, like holler, you know. But this one, we're talking about yelling. So uh, Britton hollered, Andrew hollered at me, and he told me that there was a cup of coffee waiting for me when I come out of my room to, to leave. And I was like, what a sweet guy. That's so awesome. And uh, he didn't make it. The girls make it before they leave. But, I mean, he went outside to my truck and got my cup and brought it in. And so I come out, and we're getting ready to leave, and I'm ready to grab the cup, and I go over to it, and he says, there's no coffee in it, but I just brought the cup in. And I thought, that's still sweet. I mean, he brought the cup in. That's, I would never even thought of it, and here it is. And so then I go, and I grab it, and I'm getting ready to pour it, and I'm looking at it, and I was like, did you wash it? He said, no, I just brought it in. And so, I mean, it's like been used for trash in my truck. It's got coffee in the bottom of it, just congealed, you know? So I washed the cup and everything. Still, we've got time. It's a good morning. It's chilling. It's quiet. I don't understand. Wash the cup. We're sitting there talking. Good times. Fill it up and uh, put some ice in. I like to guzzle coffee. If I'm going to sip, I like it hot. If I'm fueling up, I like it cooled off a little bit. Just get it in there as quick as possible, you know? So I did that. And so really what I had was a dirty cup and a pot of coffee. That's what I had, not a cup of coffee. But nonetheless, I said, uh, so while I'm pouring it and everything, he's like, you know, I guess I should have done that, and I'm sorry. And I said, Andrew, everybody can't be perfect. How boring would life be if everyone was just like me? <laughs> That's the joke? No, even... That is the funniest part. And I started dying laughing, and he started dying laughing. I was like, dude, this is gonna keep this is gonna be funny for years. <laughs> That's the funniest thing I've ever said. And I'm perfect. <laughs> that is hilarious. So we get to church and I'm grabbing my stuff out of the truck, and I come in here and I'm sit down, put my bag down, and I'm like, I forgot the coffee and my truck. So I text him, he's still out there socializing. You know, he socializes with everybody. And I'm like, bro, I left my coffee in the car. Can you get it? And he goes and gets it and he brings it in and he hands it to me. I'm like, man, I can't believe I left that in the truck. And he said, that's what perfect people do. <laughs> So, 
He's pretty quick. That's what perfect people do. Leave things in their car. So we're headed tomorrow to Columbia. I wanted to, I always put it before you that we're going on missions. If you ever want to give to that, you can give, put missions, mark missions, put missions online, whatever. So far we've been, this is our fourth trip to another country and all in different places. And it's been fully funded by you guys and I've been sent and thank you. This time, Jahan and I both are being sent, and it's going to be powerful, and next month we'll be sent. I did a little something extra this time that I just wanted to throw out there to you. Um, the guy who does all of the planning for these crusades does all the legwork, like he's constantly going to, uh, before we get there, he's on the ground, he's organizing years in advance least a year in advance, months and months in advance. He's organizing local churches, 10 to 50 churches um, for each crusade, come together and just really take over a whole city and make this, you know, an evangelistic effort from the whole city and pull it together, resources, all these people. So every time we're traveling, he usually doesn't even get to participate in any of the services. If you find him, he's still in the car or he's in a corner and he's talking and planning and meeting and with pet pastors everywhere all the time. I mean, they do a crusade once a month. I mean, a big crusade once a month. And so you imagine if we did a crusade for thousands of people once a month and all the logistics for that once a month. And so he's planning these and not only planning them like down the street, planning all of those in different countries every time. Uh, it's just the logistics are insane. And so uh, I'm, I'm watching him and this last trip we were on, he uses like a mini uh, tablet, like an iPad mini. He had a Galaxy. I don't know what those are. I mean, what, the, what you call the certain one, Samsung. And he had a little one. Anyways, it was acting up, and we kind of, I was with him one day, and we went to a store, and he was looking at them. They didn't have any of the minis, and anyways, it didn't work out. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, this thing has 64 gigs of RAM, which is, uh, I mean, not, not RAM, storage. Not enough. I mean, doing all that he's doing. And he's like, I'm trying to, I, I need to get a new one. And I was like, um, don't buy one because we're going to buy you one. And so I started talking to the staff, communicating to them through different me, group me. And they started looking for one. And we found one like refurbished. And it was like four or $500. And um, we ordered it. And then it didn't come and they said it was out of stock and I'm glad it didn't come because the more I thought about it, do I really want to give this man of God, this missionary, a refurbished iPad? I mean, that's kind of ridiculous, right? So I'm leaving tomorrow and so yesterday I went down to the Apple store and I bought a brand new 
I've had many with 256 gigs of storage and with the cellular hookup, because he uses it for his phone and tablet. That's all he uses is this mini. And got him a little case and Apple Care to cover it for two years, just under a thousand bucks, and I'm going to take it to him this week and uh, give it to him from us, and it's going to be powerful. So see me if you want to help with that, and uh, we'll cover the cost of that and give that to him, and it'll be awesome. If not, we'll just pay for it. But I just love, I don't know, I'm just, I like to do things intentionally. I love to give, I love to tithe, I love to do all those things, but when I get a chance to do something really intentional and specific, I like to do that. And so, uh, you know, we can just give a general fund and buy an iPad, but I'm just saying, I am personally want to partner with some people, and I want to do this with some people, and we just give it to them, right? I like to do things like that, so it's powerful to me. We're going to finish up uh, this series, um, Spirit, Soul, Body, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Mind, Will, Emotion, uh, Conscience, Fellowship, Intuition, Egypt, Wilderness, Canaan, Holy Place, Holy of Holies, Outer Court. All those things. We're going to finish it today. And uh, also, we're going to tie today. This is our first week of our vision month, and we'll get more into that in just a little while. So let's jump in. Um, where are we going to jump in? Let's jump in with Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 9. Consequently, consequently, consequences, consequently, consequently, oh, thank you, Lord. Uh, Do a miracle today, Lord. Help me to communicate. Emily, come up here and take over. I got some notes right here. Uh, Hebrews 4, 9. Consequently, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Consequently, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. This is in Hebrews chapter 4. This is in the New Testament. Consequently, there remains a Sabbath rest. It wasn't Canaan. It wasn't any of the other promises. It was, it still remains. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Jesus, the Son, and God, the Father, rest from their works. Verse 11, therefore, let's make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience. So there is a rest that we can enter into. And I think it's amazing that when you go to on down to the next verse, I've read Hebrews 9 through 11. This is the danger when you just read verses instead of reading the Bible or, you know, 
You just hear sermons and don't read the Bible. Because I've heard this, Hebrews 4, 9, 11, consequently there remains the Sabbath rest. I've preached about the Sabbath rest, and I've preached about here, Hebrews 4, 12, that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit. The Word of God can divide soul and spirit. This is right after we talk about, there. consequently, there is a rest, a Sabbath rest available to believers. And then it goes on to tell us that you can divide your soul from your spirit. And so there's this correlation of Sabbath rest with the division of soul and spirit. So you can't rest unless you can divide between your soul and your spirit. And so if we look, guys, throw up that picture again. One more picture of spirit, soul, and body. One for the road. Um, oh my gosh, what is it Danny always says when we're fishing? One more for somebody brown. Anybody ever heard that? It's like a book or something, he said. That everybody knows about it except me. Fishing people know about it. We're getting ready to move the boat, and he always says, one more for somebody, Leroy Brown or something. Nobody knows that? What in the world? All right. I thought everybody knew that Clinton Appalachian slang stuff. Pray for Danny right now. His mom is in the ICU in Oak Ridge. Lord, we just lift up. I can't remember Danny's mom's name right now. Sherry? I don't remember her name right now. Um, liver and kidneys are failing. Um, she's at 33. Total failure is 40. Um, so, Lord, we just lift her up right now. Danny's mom... I know her, I've shared with her, we've prayed together, we believe together, and we just lift her up right now. We lift up Danny as he's there with her. We ask you for a miracle. We ask you for a creative miracle. Create new liver, create new kidneys, create everything that she needs to function the way she was created to function. Let all of those organs function the way that you created them to function. We just curse every assignment of hell to bring uh, devastation, destruction, death, and disease in Jesus' name. And we lose life and peace and wholeness. So be it, so be it. Amen, amen. So one more for the road. Spirit, soul, body. We looked, our body is a temple. And so we looked at the outer court, holy place, and the holy of holies. And I want to look at one more, Egypt, the wilderness, and Canaan. Egypt, the wilderness, and Canaan. And so we leave bondage and slavery, and uh, we're no longer slaves to our flesh, to our body. We're not just animals with animal instincts that say, me want, me have, me, me hungry, me this, me this, whatever. We're not just animal instinct creatures. We are, we've been delivered from that. We've came through the Red Sea. We're in, 
wilderness. And I, I like to think of wilderness as a place that defines our will. We're struggling with our will and our emotions and our mind in the wilderness. And Canaan is the promise. Canaan is Christ. Canaan is a picture of our spirit. It's the promised land. But there's many believers who have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Many believers we've got saved many years ago. We came out of Egypt, but we've hung out in the wilderness and never entered into the promised rest of Christ, the Sabbath rest of our spirit leading and guiding and being in control of our soul. And you see this wilderness, what it looks like is we struggle with the same emotions. We circle the same mountains. We struggle with the same mindsets and the same thoughts and the same things. And, you know, we struggle with our will. One day we're worshiping God. The next day we're worshiping a calf, you know. One day we're singing songs of deliverance, and the next day we're singing songs of discouragement. Why have you brought us out here to die in the wilderness? I mean, our, our song is determined by our circumstance. Your song should not be determined by your circumstance. Our song should be, in, should be um, dictated by the one who is worthy of every song that we could ever sing, ever sing, and every breath that we could ever breathe, no matter what our circumstances are. That's a place of rest. See, this is not a place of works, like I need to muster up the right praise. No, I need to be at a place where that's what flows out of me, out of my complete rest in knowing that no matter what it looks like, I have confident rest in who he is. But when we're not, we're trying to muster up the right song and then it gets us going and then it doesn't and then it drops us and then we're flat and then we're high and then we're flat. We're just engaging with him on a soulish level. But there is remaining a Sabbath rest that we can enter into. And I believe it's a rest of our soul when it's subjected to our spirit. You know, Jahan, I was kind of talking to her last night and I was, I, I got a great picture of how some things go. Amazing, Javier is amazing. The guy we're buying the iPad for, we are, aren't we? Yes, and he's amazing. And I, but he sent me a message last night and it's indicative of how communication goes many times. And it's, it's somewhat humorous. It's very humorous actually. And so normally when we say tomorrow we're gonna meet and you just gotta hear man of God tomorrow. Well, we, <laughs> we're gonna meet. I wish I could just put a mic on it and just play it. It's so awesome. And, uh, Oh my gosh, just the first part of it. Let me just let you hear Javier. This is who, this is who, this is, it's going to bless your life though. This is Javier. 
Would it work like this, you think? Yeah. It would if I turn it up. Oh, oh, come on. This is the service we're videoing. This is awesome. Men of God, it's very important that we follow the lines for this outreach of yours with your wife. So, listen, very important. We are going to have a people that are going to take you um, to a, um, the city that we go in, in Colombia, from Santa Marta. So I thought before that uh, was going to be uh, the, the brother who, who does the interpretation, but it's going to be another people. Another people. So Alex will be not your man on taking you, but it's going to be another people taking you, another pastor taking you to that city where we are going to be in Valladolid. So very important. Uh, we got just that connection uh, clear on, on the Internet, you know. Uh, they are going to pick you up at 9 a.m. On Friday the 18th, 9 30 will be okay. 9 30, even 10 o'clock will be worse. So, <laughs> there's always at least four times that are given before anything. And hey, you know which time I go every time? the last time and so on the last trip I was at the hotel on time and everyone was gone and two hours away from the airport and I had to call them where'd you guys go we left early that was one of the times we said early I was like well you're gonna have to come back and get me so anyways Gosh, obvious to say, I was telling Jahan, just, I let her hear that message that I got last night, and she's like, this gives me a little bit of anxiety, you know, because that's just one day and one pickup, there's like 20, you know, and uh, so well, she's like, well, what about, he didn't even mention the Tuesday when we had to get to the other airport, and I was like, but before we leave, I'm like, like right now, all the things that have to happen that she doesn't even know about. You know, we had to do check MIG to get into Columbia. I've already registered us with check MIG, planes and hotels and all the things, surprises booked. Well, all the things. And she doesn't know. And so I've been a little stressed. And I'm always a little stressed before I go because once you go, you don't get to swing back by the house, you know, <laughs> you're gone. But the second I walk through security, I just flip a switch and I just don't care about anything for the next however many days I'm out of the country because it would be pointless. It would be pointless. I don't care about any, she's like, aren't you worried? I was like, no, 
Not worried if they don't come at nine. They don't come at nine. We, they come at 10, they come at 11, they come the next day, we have to stay another. But there's no point in even having any thoughts once you get there. And that is the opportunity in the spirit, in the place of rest, that you don't have to control anything. You don't have to make anything happen. You just pretend like, pretend like you're an alien and a stranger in a foreign land. You're just passing through. It's not yours. You don't own it or possess it. You have no responsibility to make it or create it. You're just strangers passing through and you're just here and whatever I'm told, whenever a pickup comes, just pretend it's that. Even if the Bible didn't say it, just pretend that we're aliens and strangers in a foreign land. But we, the familiarity of home will rob you of your freedom. There's times, Johanna and I, even just a little thing, if, you know, even if it's a dinner, we just go out to dinner. I try to make dinner last till the next day if I can. You sure we can't just go grab a hotel somewhere and stay till tomorrow? I can get mom to go to the house. I want to extend the time as much as I can. There's just something about this designated times of just being set apart to where everything's a little different and it's not just the same expectations, the same familiarity. And that's the excitement and the rest that we could live in all the time. And if we would get outside of our soulish, controlish life and we would get into our spirit-free life, I think we talked about dealing with the mind last week. Did we? If so, it was going to save us some time right now. Did talk about the mind in here? You don't know you were in the other service. It might have been the other service. You remember both services better than me. You are perfect. Jahan is perfect. She is. And it's not even a joke. I laugh when I call me perfect and you perfect, but not Jahan. I don't laugh when I call Jahan perfect. See, I'm preparing for our trip. I told them in first service, this is marriage counseling for you guys. You don't start five seconds before. You don't start five minutes before. You don't start five hours before. Five days, five weeks. You start five months before. You woo your wife five months before. You're reaping the fruit right now of what you did five months ago no matter how good you were five seconds ago, you got to have some history there, all right? You got to sow some time there. So anyways, we talked about the mind last week. That's amazing. That's so great. Talked about being confused or conformed. You're not confused. You're conformed. You have to transform your mind, your intuition, and your spirit 
senses and knows that the Lord is speaking. You have a knowing, but it has to have your mind to process it. There has to be a working of our spirit with our mind to process what's happening, but it has to be divided by the word. So we have to We have to understand the soul is not the spirit and the spirit is not the soul. The spirit is the spirit and it dictates to the soul. The soul is a tool. It's not, uh, what what is, I've always heard the mind is a great something but not a great master. I can't remember what that is. Servant but not a good master. Your mind is a servant to your spirit, not a master of your spirit. Many times we get that twisted. And so, You're conformed when you're conformed to the culture around you in this age from Matthew 12, verse 2. Conformed to this age instead of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so many times when we think we're confused, it's because culture and what we've set our mind on is different than what's happening in our spirit, and we don't know which one is true. And so we have to continue to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. A lot of times we don't want to know what's really going on because maybe it will not be what we want it to be. Maybe, you know, we don't want to have counsel or we don't, you know, sometimes, ah, I was going to try to avoid this this disservice, but... I don't understand really this push nowadays that rejects spiritual counsel. I understand that there's been abuse. You know, Moses, the people, the Israelites in the wilderness told Moses to go speak to God for them because they were afraid of God. Moses didn't say, let me be the man who speaks to God for you. They insisted that he be the man that speaks. They put themselves in a role where there was someone between them and God. There's been people in leadership, and I think even as a culture in the church, we've gravitated towards this, where leadership has positioned themselves between the people and God so much because it, it's, it's based in pride. It just makes us feel like we have the answers, and it's based in control, too. If I have the answers, then that gives me leverage against you, and then I can tell you the answers however I want to that will cause you to do the behavior that I want you to do, which will make you compliant in what I want. And I know that sounds like a cult, but it's what a lot of church looks like too. There's a lot of similarities to cults in the church. And so here we are and we've done that. and, And there's a generation now, thank the Lord, that pushes through the seducing spirits and the doctrines of demons and they've decided they want their conscience to be alive no matter what people are telling them falsely and they're pushing in to know God for themselves. They're pushing past the dogmatic doctrine and the doctrine of demons and the adding to and taking away and they're pushing past the seducing spirits that want to tell them anything goes and culture is God. They're pushing through both of those conflicting realities that are both distorting the heart of God. And they're saying, I want to know 
his heart. And that's a beautiful thing. But with that has kept, become this pride if we know him without anybody helping us. It's a better knowing him. And it's not. And we want people to honor us for who we are in him, but we don't have any honor for people that may have a voice to help us. Does that make sense? Honor goes both ways. So I'm just saying, when we're talking about the transformation of our minds and trying to discern what's happening in our spirit, it would be very beneficial to us to have some conversation. There's great wisdom in counsel. If we had some conversation, if we're wanting to get married, it'd be nice to have some conversations with someone who's been married. And if they've been married 50 years, that would might even be better. And if they've been married to the same person 50 years, that might even be better. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm just, you know, when Jahan and I need to talk about marriage, we call Padre. Many things, I, when I don't need to talk about conflict, I call Padre. When I need to talk about all things pastoral, I call him. And we talk a lot. I need counsel. I call a lot of people. We have elders. I call elders. We have meetings. We have counsel. There's great wisdom in that. I think one of the biggest reasons we don't is what if they disagree with what I think God said? You know? Okay, so we're afraid somebody might disagree with what we think God said, and then we wouldn't get to where we think God told us we're going to get to. So fear is dictating whether or not we receive godly counsel or not. So we're starting off with a really bad leader in this whole process. Fear is not a good leader in discerning the things of God. <laughs> well, I'm afraid, so I don't get counsel. Well, if you're afraid you're going to lose it, how fragile is what you think the Lord is speaking to you? That it can't withstand, even if there's bad counsel, even if there is someone that's trying to control or manipulate or use you, first of all, figure that out and don't subject yourself to it. But I tell people all the time, if I'm not your pastor, find a pastor. Find somebody. Everyone needs a pastor. If I'm not your pastor, find a pastor. If this house is not a house you feel comfortable sowing your resources into, Find a place where you feel comfortable with what they're doing to sow your resources into. It's very important. If you don't trust the leadership, if you don't trust elders, if you don't trust, find a place where you're passionate about the vision and mission of it. You trust and you have confidence in the leadership of it. Not that they're perfect, because that's a joke, remember? but that you trust they're being led of the Spirit and they're trying to discern what His will is and they're seeking godly counsel. And throw yourself in, subject yourself to, give your support and jump in and get behind. And if it's not here, I'll cheer for you as you get behind somebody else. And we'll love you and bless you and send you. 
But it's so amazing to be plugged into a place that we're in agreement with. And I want everyone to have that. Even if it's not with me or with this place. But we need it. That was such a sidetrack. Dealing with the wheel. John 7, 17. If you want to test my teachings and discover where I received them, look at that. If you want to test my teaching and discover where I received them, first be passionate to do God's will. It's almost like if you wonder if I'm giving you good counsel of what the Lord is saying, and you're not sure if I'm just being manipulative, coercive, controlling. If you're not sure, and you want to be able to discern the difference, first you have to be passionate about doing God's will. So when you enter into a situation where fear is dictating and we're trying to resist any type of counsel, and I'm not just talking about counsel from leadership, I'm talking about counsel from the Holy Spirit here too. When we're just so, the Lord said this and I want this, and there's like signs and hands and all things like God is flashing lights and authority is trying to help and speak, even though you don't even ask them to, but they're like, I wouldn't normally even say this to you unless you ask me, but I just have to tell you this. And you do these things, and we're just so resistant to it because it may mess up what we think is going to happen. But this says you can't even discern if it's God's will or not what's being spoken unless you're first passionate about doing God's will. So if you're passionate about doing your own will, you'll be resistant to discovering God's will. But if you're passionate about doing God's will, you'll open yourself up to anything that will help you discern his will. And by the very act of that, you'll be able to discern. So our will is so important. And I think it's amazing, like, uh, Luke twenty two forty two. 42, then he withdrew from them a short distance to be alone. Kneeling down, he prayed, Father, if you're willing, if it's your will, take this cup of agony away from me, but no matter what, your will must be mine. Your will must be my will. Your will must be my will. And so to even begin to discern what's happening in the intuition and trying to process it with our mind, there has to be a will that is submitted and desires to be the will of God, the same will as him. It's like you think about God. He's omniscient. He knows all things, but he doesn't tell all things. Doesn't say he's a teller of all things. He's not telniscient. Whatever. <laughs> I liked it. But he doesn't tell all things because, look, I, I have people come to me sometimes. I have, let's, let's, let's take a break, everybody. You know, because if I say I have people come to me sometimes, then that means church people. And I could use some of those examples, but let's take a break. So nobody worry. I'm not talking about anybody. 
let's just, let's use my kids. How about that? Does that feel better? Does that feel better? Maybe, you know, you won't be convicted thinking, you know what, I've done the same thing that he's talking about. He might be talking about me. Or I was thinking about having a conversation like that with him next week. This is convicting. Let's just talk about my kids and let's just let it fall where it may. My kids come up to me. Josiah's been good at this lately. Dad, what's your opinion about this? In a roundabout way, he's asking what my opinion is because he's complaining about something. You know, and he's saying something's impossible, you know, because a lot of things are impossible when you're 16, you know. And a lot of things seem like the world is falling when you're 16. So come and present a, a problem, right? And I'm thinking, I'm trying to go to bed. It's 1130. If you bring this problem to me, you must want a solution, right? I mean, you didn't just want me to share the problem with you and not sleep. I mean, you brought it to me. So let me give you a solution. And you know what the response most of the time to my solution is? That's crazy, Dad. How would I? How, that doesn't work. I can't do that. That's not how you do it. That's not, that shouldn't be. Blah, 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 blah. And I look, why? Why are you here? Why are you in my room? Why are you dumping your problems on me at 1130? I'm in peace. I'm in rest. Take that problem to your bed and think about it all night. I don't need to know if you don't want a solution. But look, I get to the place now where I'm like, hey, I'm going to throw this out here. I know that you're going to think it's insane. But I'm just going to throw it out here anyways, and then I'm done with this. I'm going to bed, okay? I'll throw it out. But look, God's not speaking to me. God's not communicating to me. He knows you're not going to do it anyways. I mean, God's not overwhelmed in heaven, you know, with all of his responsibilities. It's a lot, right? He knows each one of us. He communicates each one of us. He's omnipresent with each one of us. It's pretty amazing, right? And he's not tired. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He's not tired. He's got this. It's no big deal. He loves it. It's a joy. It's a delight. It's a pleasure. But I also don't think he's like, man, I'm bored. Like, I'm just going to tell people stuff to do even though I know they're not going to do it. I'm uh, just, just going to exercise futility today. This will be fun. Hey, go there. Nope, I knew you wouldn't. Thanks, that's cool. But he's not, I mean, I, I remember, let me tell you real quick, Reinhard Bonnke. Anybody heard of Reinhard Bonnke? Daniel Kalinda's spiritual son, took over the ministry Reinhard Bonnke and his passing. And I remember um, Daniel Kalinda was telling this story one time. He had been like appealing for months that they needed this facility, a place to do 
I think, education, training, whatever it was. And Reinhard Bonnke just kept saying, I don't think so. I don't think we're supposed to do that. I don't think we need that, blah, blah, blah. One night, in the middle of the night, Reinhard Bonnke calls Daniel Clinton. Middle of the night, wakes him up, says, hey, I think the Lord's spoken, and we need to buy this building. And I want to go look at it and pray over it five o'clock in the morning. Daniel's like, bro, I've been, I mean, he didn't say bro to him probably, probably a lot of respect. <laughs> he probably wanted to say dude, you know? But like, okay, yes, sir. I just, we've been talking about this for a long time. I'm, and, you know, and now we've decided, and that's amazing. Is there, is there something that's going to happen at 5 o'clock in the morning as we go to this building? Like, are we meeting somebody? Or, and Reinhard Bonnke said, I want the Lord to see that when he speaks to me, I respond immediately. That's how you get the Lord to speak to you. Is a heart set to obey what he's saying. So our heart has to be set to obey what he's saying. Just like the son, Father, if it's your will, but nevertheless, not my will but your will be done. My will must be your will. And it keeps perfect fellowship between us and the Father when we are transformed and conformed in our will to his. Philippians 2, 13 says, God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. So we've talked about the mind, talked about the will. I want to talk about emotions briefly and we'll be done. Matthew 10, 37 says, the one who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Ow. And the one who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And the one who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. The one who has found his life will lose it and the one who has lost his life on my account will find it. Difficult passage. If you love your father and mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you love your siblings more than me, you're not worthy of me. He's not saying not to love them, but not to love them more than we love him. Sometimes there's a divergence with the things that we love and the love of the Father. See, he's saying don't love anything that I don't love. Like you love what I love. I like to think of it like this. I think this just really came alive to me from Witness Lee in his writing, The Economy of God. When we talk about our emotions, it's not what does God permit me to love? What does he permit me to love? But 
what can I love that he loves that brings pleasure to him? When I think about my emotions, when I think about what I love, and I, and I think we have to think about the emotions of God. Like, there's a lot of things that he permits, but there's fewer things that bring him pleasure. There's things that we're permitted to love. For example, you know, I love this boy. I love this girl. I love this thing. I love this hobby. I love this stuff. I love this job. There's a lot of things that we can love. And there's a lot of things that he loves us to love. And there's a lot of things that he gives us permission to love. But there's some things that we can love that he loves that brings pleasure to him when we love it. And the things that don't bring pleasure to him when we love them, even though it may be permissible, at some point, that thing that we love, and as we grow in our love and our walk with him and we grow in our love for these other things, there's going to be this split that takes place. And that thing that we love that he permitted is going to eventually come in conflict with him. And it becomes like a bondage. It becomes like enslavement. It becomes like something that is miserable and tortured. John, 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Man, I've heard this so many ways. If anyone loves the world... This is the way I've heard it the most. If you love the world, the Father doesn't love you. That's how I've heard it the most. If you love the world, the Father doesn't love you. Well, that's insane. For God so loved the world <laughs> that he gave his only begotten son, right? So that wouldn't make any sense. But if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. I believe two things. If you love the world, the things in the world, then there's places in you that are not full of the love of the Father. There's a deficit of the love of the Father in you. There's a deficit of the revelation of his heart and his nature that would cause you to love a thing in the world. Start in the garden with Adam and Eve, okay? He doesn't love you. He wants to suppress you. He wants to hold you back. He doesn't want you to be like him. He knows that if you eat of that, you're going to be like him. And he doesn't want you to be like him. So he's somehow controlling and manipulative. And it, there became a deficit. The enemy planted and robbed a place of trust and love they had for the father. And then the tree looked amazing. But the tree was just a tree until there was a deficit in their understanding and revelation of the heart of the Father. Are you with me? Sin is not appealing unless there's a deficit of the heart of the Father in us. There's nothing in the world that we will love or endear ourselves to unless there's an absence of a revelation of the nature and the love of the Father in us. 
So if you love the world or the things of the world, it's because the love of the Father is not in you. But if the love of the Father is in you and it's overflowing in you, there will be no affection left for the things of the world because our love for the Father is directly proportionate to our revelation of his love for us. And secondly, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. I want to take this to when we're talking about fixing our emotions or dealing with our emotions. If you love the world, if you love things, the things in the world, if you love the temptation, if you love these things, then the love of the Father is not in you. It's his love that should be loving through us. So the love of the Father should be our love. The love of the Father should be what I love. I delight myself in the Lord and he gives me the desires of my heart. I delight myself in what he loves and what gives him pleasure. And then he gives me the desires of my heart. So the love of the Father, if it's in us, then our love will look like his love. It's what he loves. And so we love what he loves and we love what gives him pleasure and gives him delight and gives us peace and joy and fulfillment. And that's how we deal with our emotions. Our will has to become his will. Our emotions become his emotions in a sense. Never really said that or thought of it that way, but I just, it's helped me see this. I base my emotions on the things that I have affections for. What are his affections for those things? And that's what I need to set my emotions on. So those emotions are never going to come in conflict with my relationship with him and be something that I'm going to have to really wrestle with those emotions. So our mind, our will... In our emotions. This tags today is our first day of vision month. Guys, throw that up real quick. Man, we got to go. So, our vision is to love God, love people, and live truth. I, uh, man, I, I, I remember at, we went to Lee University, Jahan and I. She finished, I didn't. And uh, so, she helps me. She's smart, gives me the answers I need in life. At least one of you needs to go to college. That works out. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, but they talk about vision and mission. I remember uh, in church planting and pastoral training classes, talk about vision and mission and break it all down and all this stuff and all the, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this is our vision. And this is our mission. I just break all the rules. This is our vision. This is our mission. Because this is our vision for the disciples that we want to raise here. And it's also our mission, how we're going to do it. So it just kind of combines them all together. Um, Habakkuk 2 says to write it in big block letters where it's easy to read on the run. There's some mission statements that I've read that their, their new member class probably lasts a year. And when you finish it, you probably have to uh, do a dissertation on it and defend it 
to make sure you know it. I mean, it's so complicated, all right? And theological and deep and like, that's going to be tough for us to lead every person into there. We're probably going to have seven people here that can get it. I'm, I'm being facetious, obviously. But try to make it simple. Love God, love people, live truth. I even put some little stick figures with it. Nisi, who does a great job with all of our graphics, asked me if she could change those. And I said, no, I love the stick figures. Leave them alone. So anyways, love God. Everybody do it with me. Love people. Just grab hands. Live truth. Bible. Do it like the YMCA now. Love God. Love people. Live truth. Love God. Love people. Live truth. Good job, Padre. Teach an old dog new tricks. There you go. Real simple, but love God. I said the statement a minute ago. We believe that your love for God. See, a lot of people, when they say love God, yes, we want to train people. We want to be intense. You need to love God. You need to love him more. We need to see that you love God. You need to prove that you love God. If you love God, you'll behave right. If you love God, you'll do all these things. And we're going to judge if you love God or not. I mean, that's like a weight sometimes that we put on people in church. But we believe that your love for God is directly proportionate to your revelation of his love for you. That's it. So when we say that we want people who love God, we want people who know how much God loves them. This sounds like a people-focused church. No, it's a God-focused church, but we love him because he first loved us. So we're just trying to do it the way the Bible says and make sure everybody knows that he loves them so then their proper response will be to love him. And so we do this through worship encounters. We believe there's no place better to see your soul be transformed, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your spirit to be charged, and your fellowship with him, and your conscience, and your intuition, and your knowing can come into a place where there's corporate worship, corporate praise, corporate encounter, I don't, and I don't, you can do it by yourself, but I don't care if you're reading the Bible at home, it's not going to affect your life unless there's encounter with it. I don't care if you're singing on your own, it's not going to do anything unless there's encounter with it. I don't care if you're praying, you can just be reciting prayers and going through motions unless there's encounter. There has to be encounter. So we are passionate about facilitating encounter ushering in the presence of God. He resides in the praises of his people. So we believe that when we come together and we have worship encounters, that he sits on it. And people can encounter him in that. And when they worship, their, sh their worth is being shaped and they are learning more about who he is, which infects them and imparts to them knowledge about who they are. And so we... Believe in the power of worship and corporate worship and worship encounters. And so, love God. We, it, we've done 12-hour worship events every month, 24-hour worship events every quarter. Right now, we do a 24-hour worship event on New Year's Day. Um, we've got a worship event outside tonight, 6 o'clock. Please come. It's awesome. My favorite thing that we do is worship outside in the community. And so we're going to do it out there. We've got worship for kids. We've got worship for youth. We've got worship for everybody. 
in their own encounters and age base. And we just think that worship is such a powerful tool that causes us to fall in love with the one that we're worshiping. And so I just leave you with this this morning. I'm going to pray in just a second. But when I finish praying, back here in this back corner, we have XP teams. It's for experienced teams. All of these teams are teams that facilitate our worship encounters. Sunday morning is a worship encounter. There's many other ones. Um, This is everything from tech to worship to kids to parking to coffee to prayer. Um, I don't know what else. Huh? Special events. We have like tonight is a special event, worship encounter, special events team does that. Illuminate, yeah, the youth and the kids, um, they have worship encounters. And so all of those teams are in the back. So if you're a covenant partner, especially plug in. Plug in to help us facilitate encounters where people can love God and grow in their revelation of his love for them and experience him and encounter him. So go sign up. Um, You don't have to be a covenant partner. I was just saying specifically covenant partners, you said you were going to, so go do it. You said you believed and you were going to so into this place with your time, your talent, and your treasure. So there you go. There's your place back there. Sign up. But it's available. Go sign up. Can we just pray as we conclude this series today? Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for the amazing, amazing way that you encounter us. Thank you throughout the ages for just the intentionality of heaven, the intentionality of design and purpose, and the intentionality of this moment that we all find ourselves in. We were made, and our times were set, and our age was set, and our Dates were set. We were appointed for this time in your heart to be here, encountering you in this place with these people in this season. You say you've established all of that and you've said all that and we thank you. We thank you for the amazing links that you've gone to to get your kingdom to us to facilitate life and life abundantly in and through us. You've left nothing. You've left no T uncrossed, no I undotted, no rock unturned. You have perfectly created and formed us and perfectly empowered and enabled us and perfectly equipped us to live a life that is full and overflowing, led by our spirit, spirit experienced in our soul, 
demonstrated through our bodies. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Lord, we just give you our minds. Transform our minds. We set our mind on the spirit. Lord, we conform our will to yours. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I want my will to be your will. And I want my emotions to line up with your heart. Transform me and change me, complete me, make me whole. Make me holy as you are holy. Whole, complete, and lacking nothing. Spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer team, if you'll come, if anybody needs prayer this morning, come up. There'll be people here to pray with you. If you want to come home today, maybe you have never even come to the Father, accepted the gift of his Son, and you want to come and make him your Father and receive him and the gift of being his son or his daughter, come to this banner. We'll pray for you this morning. We love you. We'll see you tonight and next week. Special guest next week. You don't want to miss. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.